evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. the show tonight. Well, on the show tonight, they're absolutely crammed in. Um, Thorpey's here. Good afternoon, Thorpey. Good afternoon. Uh, hope everybody's well. Yes, indeed. And Josh is here, reveling in the glory of getting into the third round of the FA Cup. Well done, mate. Thanks, mate. Evening, everyone. And uh, Rick's here. I don't know what Rick's got to say, apart from the fact I got it up on time for you, Rick. Evening. Yeah, well done. Makes a nice change. Up yours. And finally, well, it's me, of course. And then finally, there's Hilda. Hello, Hilda. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. It's the others. Uh, and you're going to be Master of Ceremonies tonight, I hear. Well, uh, I'm going to sit in the hot seat and take it from your very capable hands. Um, we might have a... We might have a... Um, a visit from our Portuguese correspondent at some point in the proceedings as well. So obviously, if he does make an appearance, then uh, we will let you know. That would be that being Mr. Hugo Rodriguez. But uh, as Eddie's kindly given me the reins this evening, I think there is only one place to start, and that's with uh, the FA Cup action of the weekend and Yeovil beating Stevenage by a goal to nil. And Josh, I'm going to have to come to you. First of all, what did you make of the atmosphere and? Um, You've got to be pleased with the outcome. Yeah, it was um, it was a good cup tie, wasn't it? It was uh, the atmosphere was good in in, in the stadium. Um, we we started well. We we were unlucky. Well, we nearly scored off in the first minute. To be fair, uh, and we we done all right. We had patches where we they dominated us, and then we got back on top. But I thought it was a good good cup tie, and it showed that the level between the two teams wasn't vastly different. And uh, we hung on when we need to in the end. And um, from your perspective, since the since the game, um, obviously with being on um, the cameras being in town as well, it was obviously made it a, a, a bigger uh, spectacle at Hewish Park on Saturday. But uh, you would have seen since the draw, and uh, we've touched on it before we came on air. But Bournemouth at home, uh, got to be pleased with that. Yeah, I think it's a good tie. I think it's a really good tie for the club. They should um, they'll bring quite a few fans, won't they? And uh... As I mean, thought we were saying the atmosphere would be good, and and it's another chance. You never know with where they're, they're positioning in the league, they might prioritise the league. And, and it, for us as a as a team, it's a free hit really, and we can go and we can they'll come to us. And regardless of level, it's not going to be an easy place to come. I don't think. Were you all watching the draw together on Monday? <laughs> no, no, not not together. <laughs> but there was there was a lot of keen eyes on it, definitely. It was. It wasn't quite party at Jamie Vardy's house type vibes then. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll bring Thorpe in on this one. Thorpe, um, ex-Yeovil player yourself, of course. Just how important is it for the likes of Yeovil to try and get as far as they can, and especially to get to round three of the FA Cup? 
it's vitally important for financial reasons as well as the as the players want to obviously like uh, you know put their wits against better players or potentially better players you know which we you all try to do when you get that um close to that third round and um so there's two aspects of it one congratulations to the players what a fantastic thing to achieve which we've not done for a long time and um you know, and then they can now put their wits against a fantastic football club in Bournemouth. Again, I, I agree with Josh. They're going to bring down a really good num- a number of fans. They're an exciting team to watch at the moment. They've got a fantastic manager. But I do agree with them as well. Also, the um, you know, they may well sacrifice because they really do need to focus on getting back to the Premier League. And then there's obviously the other side of it is the financial side for the football club. Um, because with the ebbs and flows of the uh, possible takeover... Um, then there's two ways of looking at it. Is the money going to be put back into the club? But it's all, you know, uh, it also, if, if we, um, I'm not sure the exact figures that we possibly could make from it, um, but that's vital money for the football club, which needs to be nurtured very, very well because um, the, the club needs some stability and, and obviously uh, getting that good cup run hopefully gives you a little bit more financial stability. Yeah, I think it was something like 32,000-ish, 34,000 possibly for beating Stevenage. And then I think yep. it's uh, about 83 uh, for winning in the third round. Yeah, but see, that's fast money. At this, uh, our level of football, that's, that's excellent money. And, um, you know, and then you get the bigger gates. It's obviously split three ways in the FA Cup. Uh, but uh, the fact that they're bringing down, they're, you know, they're bringing down a really good following, um, it's really going to be a great atmosphere again at, at, at the club, and um, it's a game you want to you know you want to <clears> play in these types of games. You want to you know put your wits against better players, and you know and when we played QPR, um, you know I didn't play in the game, but I played in the pre-season game uh, just out you know the next season, and that was you know it was a bit of a kick. Something kicked off in the in the, in the um, just before we came out, so we you know we knew that we were getting their best because of what had happened and. Um, you know that was an extremely fast game, and you know it's sort of like, you know, it, you, know you you were you um if you know hopefully we did well, which we did do well that night, and it, it gives you a big uh, confidence boost, like you know. So um, yeah, it's a it's it's a it's going to be really uh, exciting day. Uh, I'll just bring Rick in in this one. Uh, Rick, good evening to you, sir. Obviously, um, right. a big, a relatively big tie uh, for Yeovil Town. It has to be said, but um, obviously there'll be some disappointments from fans that it's not a uh, "Quote unquote big boy," but that's still quite a reputable draw for Yeovil, isn't it? Well, it's not that long ago Bournemouth were a Premiership side, weren't they? So, I mean, to get a Premiership Premier team down is what you really want to get. Um, I watched it at home, listening to you, and it was it was quite interesting because the BBC feed was only very very slightly off, so uh, it wasn't too bad. You weren't screaming at things. Oh, why thank you. Why thank you. Thank you very much, kind sir. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, I mean, Josh probably noticed it. My lad was there. It's his first time going to a football match without me. And he was he was in the Thatcher stand and he was absolutely buzzing. And if you think if that has that sort of effect on 14, 15-year-old kids going to the game, they'll get a taste for it. And then you've got a whole new set of regular... I mean, he's already talking about maybe getting a, a season ticket for next season and going along and watching. So, I mean, that's... Apart from the financial rewards for the future of the club, that's a that's a really good sign, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. 
that's what it's all about. Um, Aid, you would have you would have seen the game um, in its entirety. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that Yeovil deserved to win and get through. Oh yeah, no, no question. I don't think I, I, I was disappointed in Stevenage. I thought they'd done better than they did, really. But uh, no, I think I think Yeovil didn't let them do much better. That was that was partly the point. And uh, the, you know, the, the amount of commitment from the Yeovil players was was very strong. I thought so. Uh, you know, I think they got out of it what they deserved. Now, if they get a television game, which it could be in the third round, because um, now that you've got uh, ITV and BBC doing it, and uh, I don't know, maybe. BT Sport, are they still doing it? I'm not sure. But certainly BBC and ITV are. Um, you know, if you've got a televised game for that, I think I think the figures are about 140,000. It used to be 250,000 when Man United came down because um, I was there and I obviously saw the figures. But I think it's come back now to about 140,000. But that, that's not uh, chicken feed, is it? No, absolutely. And there's some big, some big ties. I don't know if you saw the rest of the ties that came out of the hat. Um, in the third round, but um, Chesterfield, of course, in the Ovals League, they go to Stamford Bridge, <coughs> possibly LSE amongst uh, some Yeovil supporters looking at that one. Um, Shrewsbury Town, they go to Liverpool, Morecambe go to Spurs. There is some, there's some big fixtures, you know, for those um, lesser clubs at, at this level so far. Not, 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 and not forgetting Swindon against Man City. Yeah, of course. I didn't a have that one written tie. down. Huge tie, that is. For again, for another club that's sort of been, you know, in financial difficulties in the past as well, so that's going to be a massive re- revenue booster for them as well, like you know. So uh, this is what it does for the the lesser clubs. It gives them an opportunity to uh, to raise some well earned coin um, to stabilise these clubs. And um, I know when Neil Coates scored the winner in in the uh, FA Cup and they got Arsenal. I mean, you know, they all talk about all the fans talk about that goal saving the football club because. The revenue they got from them, literally, you know, Yeovil Town were in dire straits financially, and that goal got them at that massive tie and earned them hundreds of hundreds of thousands of pounds, and that really did sort of save the football club at that stage. Well, talking of talking of big goals, let's just sort of talk about Yeovil's form generally, and a certain Mister Josh Staunton here. Um, the ball's coming over. Here it, comes, Josh, here it comes, Josh. Here it comes, mate. Told you. <laughs> what a finish. Talk us through it, Josh. I'll tell you what, it was, actually, it was a good finish to be fair on the half volley. It was a great um, finish. Uh, at the first, I thought, oh my God, the keeper stopped it. Somehow, like, got a hand to it and pushed it onto the crossbar. But um, no, just Jordan whipped in a decent ball. I just kind of like, the man didn't really mark me. I just floated in on the back post and on the half volley, just. Caught it cleanly, just got good contact. It's all right, Josh. You can say it. You screamed it into the top corner, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a nice goal, mate. I take it. Yeah. The Especially casual way that he puts it over. Well, I just sort of got a good contact, and you know, it just they come every day, don't they, Josh? No, definitely not, Aidy. No, definitely not. Aiden, but <laughs> I was thinking this. Their ones are very easy to like spoon in, get not get much contact on it. So I just thought, just walk it onto the middle of my foot. Get it on target, and the, the 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 pace on the ball should should do the rest, really. And luckily, it did. Is um is it an area of your your game you're looking to improve on at all, Josh, or is it one of those things where it's not obviously the the main um, purpose of what you're in there to do, but if anything you get is obviously a bonus. Um yeah, definitely. I think I've I, I wish I've I've probably should score more than have, and I've I've had a a few years where I've I've had like quite a few saves off the line or hit the posts and and um. 
hopefully they start going in because it, definitely if you can add any goals to your season, to the team throughout the season, it, it's vital, isn't it? And uh, if the more people chip in, the, the more it spreads the lows. So it's definitely something I hope I can do more and it's good to break the duck for um, for Yeovil and hopefully more come. So um, let's uh, let's park Yeovil then for a moment and look around what happened in the Premier League uh, this weekend because there was... Um, some quite eye-catching results, particularly in the early kickoff on Saturday, where West Ham beat Chelsea three-two, and quite a quite a ding-dong London derby. Um, Rick, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, was it a cross or a shot? It was a cross, but they all count, and it was just nice. It was it was beautiful. The game the games on Saturday. It was a weird sort of day because it was bookended with a really good result at the beginning, the West Ham one, a really good one at the end with the over one, and all the games in the middle were rubbish, results-wise, from my point of view. <laughs> yes, if anyone who follows uh, Rick on Twitter would have um, picked up on dissatisfaction on some of those results, but they uh, can't be repeated on air, I'm afraid. Sure. So... Uh, <laughs> Have a look for him. Have a look for him if you want to have a look at what's been going on on, on his particular socials. Uh, I've been giving you a plug there, Rick. Yeah, it's, it's actually one thing. I know it's sort of like going on the negative thing, but it's uh, Newcastle got within uh, three games of uh, a new record for games from the beginning of the season without a win. And as a trinket club, it would be nice to see them uh, them go down. I did get some of you from Geordie's actually uh, talking about Twitter. Did you? They were, they, they I can't being... imagine why. <laughs> oh, but they're deluded. Why. They're deluded. And there's no Did player you? in the history of the world that scored more goals to really disappoint me than uh, Divock Origi. Every time he scores a goal, it really is one that, yeah, annoys me. <laughs> well, I've got I've got that on my list. We'll come, we'll come on to that a little Go bit. On. But um, that's no, all right. We will... We will we will come to it. I just want to finish off the West Ham uh, Chelsea stuff. Um, Thorpe, have you got thoughts on that game? Well, I was just going to ask uh, Josh because you know I, I've sort of um, been a coach for many many years, and um, so see I've got a totally different look on that goal. I actually think that you know if if you go for the for the cross, it, his, his technique would be totally different. It, it would go across the ball to the to, you know his left foot. And then it would go, uh, and he'd, he'd curl it around. Whereas to me, his foot goes from left to right, which means he's coming across the ball the opposite <coughs> way. So for me, I think he goes for it because I think the, the, te- the technique, the technique is totally different. That, that's There's no David deflection Beckham. either, is there? No. See, David Beckham when he does his curlers, he actually almost like falls away to the right, and he gets a real bend on the ball by going from from right footer it, it, it's it's left to right you go across the ball where the opposite left footer you're doing exactly the same left to right but it actually spins away from the keeper so how, for me how do you know he was curlers he's curlers <laughs> so for me looking at that as a coach and a footballer I don't know what Josh thinks for me he goes for it yeah, we were watching it and we were saying it's a hard one really because you, he's, like you say, his technique isn't really trying to curl it. He's almost trying to wobble it at the near post. And With pace. Yeah. And it's just, very straight, isn't it? 
Yeah, it doesn't like, hardly move. His technique doesn't scream that he's actually trying to cross it in. Like he's not trying no. to bend it around the back. And the margin of error to bend it around the back there was massive. Yeah, so it's not like you'd be able, not expecting to be able to whip it around the back. Either he's miskicked it completely, and he caught it right on the end of the foot. But I'm kind of in your. I think technique, his technique, didn't think to us that he was crossing it. He was crossing it. For me, if the technique look, if you is. Look at the flight of the ball. It's, it's like the old um, Ronaldo free kicks when he. Yeah, hits that's the ball. what I mean. It's, it's like a knuckleball. That, that it's flight like, of it. Yeah. Whether that's by accident or design, but. Um, it, well, yeah. only he'll know whether it's by accident or design. But for me, like the, the technique was, he, he he's taking a shot there, and he's going to call Mendy. Have, um, yeah, a few people have uh, sort of called out Mendy on that one and said that you know he should have been quicker off his um, off his line well, to sort of get to that one. But I'm not so sure on that. I think it was just a one of those that that has taken him completely off guard and just hasn't got there quick enough. Thanks to a really good piece of. Good, uh, quick thinking or, or well, luck, you, depending if, on which side of the fence you're on. If you actually look at Mendy's position, uh, just before he take or as he's taking the shot, Mendy takes a big step to the left. His and body I, weight, and, on, and his body weight's all on the left foot. And then he takes the shot. So for me, he probably sees him taking that move. I don't know, but he, for me, he go, totally for me, he totally goes for it, and he keeps him on his left foot. He then has to make a double step, try and get there, and by that time, it's too late. So for me, it's good play, but um, so I think it's a hell of a goal, absolute hell of a goal. You know, and a well-deserved win. They put them under a lot of pressure. Um, again, Royce has, has showed out to be uh, in, in fantastic form, um, and they're getting a, a lot of you know they're getting a lot of fantastic performances from their squad. Jared Bowen got man of the match, and he looked um, he looked a particular handful, and um, there's been talk about him possibly. Uh, sort of buzzing in and around the England squad. Yeah, I'm not quite sure whether he's at the, he's at the England squad or, or knocking on the door. Maybe uh, England B, maybe, but I, I, I know I don't I don't see him as a as that. As, as a, a no from Fulham. <laughs> well, I just don't, I just don't know whether he's actually you know that that sort of standard. You know, we're talking world class standard there. You know, and there's um, you know the England squad is very strong at the moment, but. Um, his performances are certainly very, very good. And he's made himself into an extremely, very comfortably, comfortable Premier League player. I think his, his energy is good. You know, um, his, his striking ability is, is, for me, you know, they all talk about Greenwood. I think, is, you know, look at his ability. I mean, it's right up there. He's not in the yeah, same that's... bloody street as Greenwood. What are you talking about? Well, oh, what a load of crap. And... Dear, oh dear. I've heard some rubbish on this programme, but that goes a long way. (laughs) What's the goal scoring at the moment, then? Well, he's had COVID, hasn't he? It's not his fault. Well, it's... He's scoring loads in isolation. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. he has. On the the Xbox. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Did what, um, just just going back, just going back to the goal though. Eh? Did you see it? Did you have an opinion on whether you think he crossed it or um, he, he did go for that? Well, my my opinion sort of doesn't really count. I think he did cross it actually, but um, whether he did or he didn't, I wouldn't want to argue with Mister Thorpe because he's a qualified coach and he's been doing it for years. However, uh, all I can say about West Ham is I just I'm just kind of got this feeling that, that I'm just waiting for them to implode. Um, I, I just can't believe they're going to keep it up at this rate, but uh, we'll see. 
Well, um, is that more hope than expectation? So then, the, you know, Man United can then whip in there and get that fourth place? No, because I think United are going to get the fourth place anyway, at least the fourth place. Um, you know me, mate, I'm the eternal optimist. There's no negative vibes coming from this direction, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fair. To be fair, you've always towed the, towed the same line on that one. Since um, 1957, so... I keep Hallam to tell you. Uh, I must have been out that day. I think you might have been, <laughs> yes. Uh, most of you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we will come on to Man United's uh, result from the Sunday games. I just want to wrap up some of the, the Saturday ones first. Um, obviously, in the three o'clock game, City played in the 5.30 kickoff, wasn't it, against Watford? But as uh, Rick touched on, it took Liverpool very, very late to uh, break down Wolves. And uh, it was that man, Divock Origi, Rick's favourite, <laughs> Um, I just wanted to bring up, guys, particular Josh and Thorpey. How unique is it these days to have a player who's so content and happy to be in, a, in and around the squad and be a bit part player? I think the graphic came up on Match of the Day 2. I don't know if you guys saw it, that he'd been there for around about six years. He's only 26. He's hardly played any games. But when he comes on, he gets big goals, not just... Um, you know, constellation goals or goals are part of a three-four, um, three-four uh, win, and they've already been uh, scoring for fun in the match. He's actually scoring crucial goals. Is it quite a unique? Takes a unique mindset to be able to play that kind of role and be happy with it. Yeah, I think it's definitely a unique role. I think I don't obviously got no idea him as a person. It's quite. A, I don't think I'd personally would want to do it, but. It's probably credit to um, the group they have and, and the manager as well because it's not easy to manage players and make them f feel like they're still part of it when they play so little. And obviously, he must feel part of it because he comes on and scores massive goals for him. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't the first time he's scored big goals, is it? So, no, they're so, dreadful. So he's obviously very, very happy and he understands his role in the team, which is, I think it's really unique. I think it's a really hard position to be in, but he. There's probably you probably argue there's no one better at it. The goals he scores with the limited game time, it's in, it's incredible, really. Talking about yeah, those matches on Saturday, however, um, I would like to just mm. make a point now that uh, there is a contract being put out on the whole of the Brighton team because they cost me about four hundred quid when they equalised. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that, Aid, because I wanted to bring up. Brighton's form because again talking of sort of uh, that's that you know might not make too much sense they're they're such an enigma because they're playing well but they haven't won in 10 but eight of those have been drawn <laughs> now if you're a Brighton fan are you saying this is good form or not good form what what kind of um, what side of the fence would you be sitting on if you're a Brighton fan? Who me? You want I'd, I'd, I'd say that um, they're, they're dropping like a stone. You've only got to look at their league position now. They're, they're almost well midway. I, it might even be below mid table. I think they're kings of the XG, aren't they? Everybody has them down for scoring lots and lots of goals, and actually comes to the games and they can't finish their dinner, let alone a goal. Mm. Although Mo, did you see his goal the other week? The overhead kick. Yeah, yeah, against West Ham. Great goal. 
They love a they love a one one draw, do Brighton, and they love getting one in the last ten minutes. Don't Ooh, don't rub it in, Hilda. <laughs> I think that they um you know they, uh, January will be very very interesting for them because um, they got uh, Welbeck who's actually out at the moment injured. I think they desperately need a striker, possibly at the way they play a number ten. Um, they, they made them made themselves extremely resolute, although I still think they need to uh, you know pay a bit of money for. Spinal team, spinal players, you know, somebody at the back, through the through the middle, and somebody right out through the front as well. Like so, um, but they're, they're, they're it's okay to say in that you know, okay, like you know, they got um, uh, you know those eleven or twelve games, they've got like uh, eight or nine draws, but that's not good enough in the Premier League. You know, they need to be getting those. That's a lot of points lost. You know, that's why it's almost important. it's almost better to win a couple, lose a couple. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely. Yeah, right. definitely. It's much better to have that up and down sort of like, uh, you know, a way than just keep on drawing. You know, draws the, the least loses you a lot of points, and um, it's not a good thing. Uh, okay, you could say that they're not getting beat. That's fine. That, that breeds a little bit of confidence, but they need to sort of get some points on the board, and they need to do it sharpest. But I have no doubt that they'll get out of it. I, I feel that they're. Um, He's a he's a good manager. He understands where he's where he's at, or where the team's at, and um, their squad is is a hard working side. But it, you know, every year as it goes by, the Premier League gets harder and harder. So um, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, but I think January is very big for them. He needs to buy at least one striker, um, uh, and and uh, again for me another midfielder and another defender. Sure, Straight down what, the spine. What, what's your thoughts on See, For me, like I think. For the, for the uh, for like team morale, one win is better than three draws. I think draws oh, yeah. can get you in a real tricky place where you think like you're you're winding up and you're almost waiting to concede because you've yeah. got a habit of drawing and like drawing. I, I actually think it's a worse habit to get in than, than losing because people get become happy with the draws. They yeah, are doing it agree. the other way around though. To be fair to them, like a lot of those draws, they have come from behind to get something out of the game. Um, so they are getting themselves back into it. Exactly. I think, I think it's a very dangerous mentality because you do, you walk in the dressing room, you're like celebrating a point and you think, come on, we've, we've done well to get a point mm. there. And, and when you're on a run, when you're on a run, draws are important. Like if you, to, do you know what I mean? To not break a run. So like the odd draw is good. But when you're just drawing, you almost need to risk it all to get the win and, and risk losing. Yeah, you I'd much rather, you get I'd yourself much rather see him really go for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'd much see him really go for it and maybe like lose one or two. And yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, at, least, at least they're going for it and they're you know taking chances. <clears> but uh, they're so at the moment they're so solidly defence, fairly you know fairly solid defensively. Um, but uh, they're obviously letting the odd one odd one, but not scoring enough. So for me, they need to, need to buy a striker for sure. Yeah. Um, and to get that delivery into the box a bit earlier. You know, sometimes they teams play nice football. But they don't penetrate enough. They play lovely football, don't penetrate enough. You know, you've got to try and penetrate to make those chances, and that that means you've got to take some risks. You know, your fitness levels have got to be up. You know, maybe he's tucking everybody in, and and, and making themselves as solid as they can, um, but obviously not being a, as forward thinking as they possibly should do. I guess that train of thought kind of falls in line with the fact that if they drew every game in the Premier League, they still wouldn't get 40 points, which is normally the amount that would keep you up because they could only get 38. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. 
That's all right. We we can uh, we can allow you to have that one. Um, well, <laughs> elsewhere in the uh, in the in the Premier League on the five thirty game, I just want to cover the um, the rest of the the top games that day. That Manchester City brushed Watford aside, as we probably all imagine that they would do. Um, Rick, probably a difficult question for you to answer, but how good is Bernardo Silva at the moment? Ridiculously, next. He's he's filled in. He's doing the Gundogan role from from last season. City always seem to find one midfielder that will turn up and and score all sorts of goals. Because you look at the goal he scored against United, you wouldn't put your name to that, and yet he's he's just there. And uh, yeah, he's he's a quality player, absolute quality player. And he he did one of my favourite things ever on a football field. Don't know if you remember when uh, yeah, regarding Liverpool, wasn't it? Guard of honour. Didn't, he didn't applaud. He had, he had a cup of tea instead, which I, I think was a marvellous gesture. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's all right, you're welcome. <laughs> but no, he's, he, he's outstanding. And Mares, for some reason, seems to be out in the cold at the moment. And Pep does this with his Pep Roulette when he's picking his team. There's always like one of yeah, the Yeah, it was Sterling not long ago, and now he's got three and looking. four. Isn't yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's gone from Sterling. Now it seems Mares you'd expect to get a game and isn't getting much of a run out. And he's not going to be around in uh, January either because of uh, the African Cup of Nations. So, yeah, so that's a weird one. Um, do you, do, sorry, just one. jumping in. Do you, think it's no, because, on, do you think it's possibly because of the Cup of Nations? He's saying, well, actually, because I'm not going to have you for a while, it I'm actually going to set my team up slightly different and give them the game so they've got a run of run of games because I know you're not going to be available Mm. you know it could well be could well be and he'll probably play as soon as he gets back from it he might well play every game from then till the end of the season it's not like his form's been bad I mean the last time I saw Mahrez play I think he scored two goals didn't he he's been been good form and he cuts him well he plays him on the right hand side and cuts him really well has a little pop at goal with a little curler Um, so I think his, his form's been good He's been playing Jesus, Jesus, yeah. in that position with more of a conventional right footer on the on the right hand mm. side. So it's just a different a different dynamic. Yeah. With that in, in with that in mind, um, Ad, do you think when all said and done, City is still probably the team to beat out of everyone? Well, I did start thinking it was Chelsea, but they've sort of gone off the boil a little bit. Uh, so uh, you'd have to say that, really. I mean, every time they they step onto the field of play, you know, you know, you're going to get a minimum of three goals. It seems like every game now. So much as it hurts me to say it, um, they are looking pretty strong, aren't they? They are. Josh, would you agree with that? Out of yeah, the top yeah. three up there at the moment, I initially said Chelsea would win the league, didn't I? But I just look at Man, Man City, and I think they're just so hard to beat because they never give the ball away. The other, teams yeah. are very rare. the other teams are very rarely actually in the game. It's just like watching a, a kick-off a few times and when they retain the ball, they don't really give it away. It's, they're, they're a good team, aren't they? They're solid all over the pitch and they've got so much. The depth is incredible. We said yeah. it was going to be quite a, um, a tight season this season. Is it simple enough, Thorpe, to say that it could edge down to say whether Chelsea or Liverpool could get three points at the Etihad, which are going to prove so vital looking at how this season's going. Oh, it's a massive game, isn't it? Already, that's a huge, huge game. Um, 
It is going to be very, very tight this year. I mean, I think all three three clubs are, uh, will all have little blips. I think along the way, Chelsea seem to be having their little blip at the moment. I have no doubt they all sort that out very quickly. Um, Liverpool play, are playing extremely well again, but I still don't think they're playing well, as well as they can do. And then you've got the machine of Man, uh, Man City, like you know, it's um, yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, Arsenal have fall, fallen away a little bit. They'll they'll make mistakes along the way. Um, we we have to wait to see what's going to happen at Man U, but um, I think it is going to be very very tight. So those games are now like uh, cup finals, aren't they? Really. And it'll be interesting to see how, how it's certainly going to be very. Yeah, certainly looks like one of those three. But you've just touched on Man United there and the the chase for fourth place. Well, Raniuk <laughs> did get his first full game in charge. Uh, it was a one 0 win over Palace. Fred with us with a gorgeous effort. I think it's fair to say. I'm happy to say that because it because it was. And, uh, and one nil win um, in his first game in charge with the four two 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 formation. Um, Rick, what did you make of it? Solid, wasn't it? And uh, it, it's funny how that lineup. I was quite cynical before because Michael Carrick had been saying all along that he hadn't had a conversation with with Ralphie, and uh, he turns up for his first fixture and he's got exactly the same team that Carrick had in his last fixture, but. Admittedly, they did set up differently, and it—it's just solid. And the the look of it, they just, yeah, I'm very impressed so far. But uh, when they get a real challenge, we'll have to we'll have to see how things things work out then. But Ronaldo, outstanding again, and and it's good. Fred seems to be the one player that seems to have benefited so far in the last mm. few games more than anybody else. And if you look at the Brazilian team. I wouldn't say it revolves around Fred, but he's very in, integral to what the way that Brazil are playing at the moment. And it's the same with Pogba playing for France. Can we please have the international player turning up and playing for United instead of getting some sort of mediocre half-assed performance? And they're playing so well for the national teams. And they're obviously, you know, good players. And it's finding the system. We have released Fred onto the Premier League. And uh, yeah, he, he's the man at the moment. Isn't there a slight irony in the fact that Fred seemed to be the one, at least on the outside looking in, um, one of the guys that Ollie actually trusted the most? Yeah, but then Ollie was, um, yeah, he did, he did with that with that pivot. But even Ollie said, you know, he'd never he'd never score or whatever. But he's just it just shows give him give him the opportunity, and there is a player there, and I think this this system so far it looks like it's working for him. So, well, I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away too early, but uh, it's first sign. Just remember, very, very Rick, this is being recorded. I know. And Leeds are still getting relegated, along with Newcastle and Burnley. And you can record that. Dolby, <laughs> <laughs> before... I'll tell you what, Dorby, though, Rick, you're forgetting uh, Diego Dallo, who has been... Uh, he's, uh, he's played well as well. Can you, can you remember the game, the Champions League game against Atalanta? at mm. Old Trafford. Yeah. And Dallow put in one of the worst performances I think I've ever seen a United player have. He was shocking. He was all over the place. And the way he's played in the last couple of games is a revelation. Mm. And Wan-Bissaka's got a job now because he's... Wan-Bissaka's actually, in the time he's been at United, actually regressed as a footballer, I think, 
he had one big strong point to his game in that he, you know, he was one of the best one-on-one tacklers in the in the game, and he's even lost that now. Yeah, but he, he plays in a different team, though, doesn't he? He plays in a different team. He's, he, you can't. He, he plays in a team where you get loads of the ball. So one v one defending doesn't stand out. You're more you're judged exactly. as a footballer. And where yeah. where did he come from? Palace, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing a lot more defending. So he's defending yeah. strong. Whereas when you then you ask him to pass the ball into midfield fifty times, he gives it away twenty times. It gets noticed. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Especially with the change of system, because your width comes from your fullbacks. Yeah. So how, how how does this new system work? I, I didn't get to see it on on the weekend. It's basically width. a very strong spine that you double up in every position. You have the the two wide players, the two wide midfielders are tucked in slightly, so they're inside forwards. You've got two at the head of it, the same two as your holding midfielders, in, just in front of a back, the two oh, centre. Okay. Yeah. So, in effect, you've got, you always used to say that a football team needs a decent spine, but you're giving yeah, yourself yeah. assurance by doubling up yeah, yeah. in those positions, and your width comes from your fullbacks. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. Go on, Pete. Yeah, I was just going to. Um... Uh, say about the form of Fred because like you know the the, the Man United fans that I've spoken to um, uh, have been quite critical of it because they're saying that he does all the hard work and then he gives the ball away he does all the hard work wins it back and he's tremendous at breaking play up but he's he, he's got to be improving on his on his passing ability which I thought was better uh, on Saturday passing um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the side, you know. Yeah, it's about that penetration again, isn't it? I keep yeah. going on about it. So, you know, so he's he's that was improving on that. So I think that maybe the way that um, the new manager wants to actually like for him to sort of like uh, make a presence. It, yeah, I'm not sure what the manager has actually said to Fred, but it seems to be more beneficial uh, to his style of play. Um, he's he's been fantastic actually on the closing down and breaking play up, and uh, now. He needs to keep that form out about keeping the ball and, and, and uh, making more forward passes. As regards to Wambasaka, you know, I think that you know I, I talk a lot about body language, especially on the pitch. And um, I think Josh will understand what I'm sort of saying is that when when somebody looks relaxed and looks like they're not really that interested, you know, it sometimes gives the wrong vibe. And I, and, I, and for me, Wambasaka showed tremendous form as a, as a one-on-one defender. But as Josh said, like he'd, he'd have done more defending in the Crystal Palace side than he would have in, in, in the Man United side. So there's a different role for him there in the, in the Man United. But he needs to be a little bit a guy from down the road, if you like, who, who controls the whole right-hand flank. And this this new formation that, that uh, the managers play in at Man United allows the full, the wing-backs, really, to take control of where they are on the pitch, whether it's defending in the midfield or, or putting crosses in, um, you know, so they have to be extremely fit. Is he that type of person for that role? I'm not too sure. And I don't think his body language, for me, has shown much, certainly when, you know, the, the Ollie was there, it didn't really show much real fighting determination. So I'm really disappointed with because I thought, I thought he's a real prospect. So I actually think he'd... I'm a little bit disappointed with his performances since um, he's been at Man United. I, thought I was expecting a lot more from him. And like you say, just recently, Darlow in the last couple of games, you know, he's been really, really top-notch and um, in displaying real good form. So and on the left side, on the left side, Paul, as well, uh, Tellers came in and from what I saw, uh, he seemed to have a pretty decent, um, yeah. decent game as well, which is 
you know, quite unusual in a way when you, you, you change both of your fullbacks and both of them come in and hit the ground running. Obviously, Rick, AD, you'll know a bit more about, you know, Tellers and Dallow than, than I do. Well, I know that when, Again, when Jose Mourinho signed... Form, when, when Jose Mourinho signed Dallow, he was saying then that he was one of the best uh, fullbacks around Europe. That's what he thought. Now, you know, maybe he was right, maybe he was wrong. But if he was wrong... Did he get home to Milan? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was on loan. Yeah. But, um, mm. you know, I think, it, it, isn't, it, isn't it strange that, you know, one minute Luke Shaw's the hero, he, he puts England in front in a European final... And now he's out the side because he got smacked on the head and he's going to have a job to get back in by the look of it. Well, Tellez was signed originally to put pressure on Shaw. Hmm. And then as soon as he arrived, Shaw's, Shaw's performances just went through the roof. He never got a sniff. And ironically, like you say, he's now a man in possession. Hmm. And he's got to do something seriously wrong. Both the both fullbacks now have played themselves into the team, you would have thought. Yeah. Yeah, especially with them both being so integral to the way that um, Ralph wants to play. Yeah. But you never know, all with, all. Season, with, with the season, just saying the, the Wan-Bissaka thing, it, it seems like the the vibe about the United team under Oli was it was all about how the team felt. And there wasn't a lot of structure and a lot of actual proper training <clears> going <throat> on, which is what Ralph all about. So hopefully with a bit of time under, you know, he could bring out the best in wan Wan-Bazooka. Wan-Bazooka. Leave that in. Leave that in. Wan-Bazooka. Wan-Bazooka. I'll tell you one thing. We can't move on without mentioning Ronaldo's 801 goals and over 1,000 appearances. I mean, the bloke is just phenomenal, isn't he? What what more can you say? Brilliant. That is incredible. Them them numbers are incredible, aren't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because many people don't get that many appearances, let alone goals. Yeah. Mm. You do well to get half that many appearances. Yeah, at that level. That is amazing. At, at any level, 400 appearances at any level. Yeah. That's 400 Sundays with a hangover. That's <laughs> amazing. And not only that, mm. he's, he's still as fit as a flea, or he appears to be. <clears throat> yeah, look yeah. at him. And another dream. thing about the game, the, the, the Crystal Palace game, was I've been saying since he signed that United, he's renowned for the way he hangs in the air and his power in the air. United have barely put a cross in all the time he's been there. And yet they were, what, four or five decent crosses into the box that he, he was up the headers for. So, you know, they seem to be adapting to his strengths as well. So, uh, yeah, it was good. I don't think there was any danger of him not scoring any goals, was there? I know there's been a lot of talk one thing about it's guaranteed, isn't it? And one thing, but he was always going to get the goals, so... I think he'll still get quite a healthy tally come the end of the season. And obviously, from your boys' perspective, hopefully that you know is enough to get you at least back into the Champions League again or a, a trophy along the way somewhere. He's back on pens now as well, isn't he? Yeah, good finish against oh, Arsenal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And uh, this will please you, Rick, as well, because uh, Eddie Howe and Newcastle, they finally won. They finally got their first victory, victory of the season after 14 games. Did they win at the weekend, did they? Yeah, 1-0. Yeah. Uh, well, the record was uh, 17, wasn't it? Sheffield United. Of yeah, ago. And, it was a, and it was against his former team as well. And um, I just want to quickly talk about the goal as well, because I don't know if any of you boys saw it. There is uh, a lot of talk about whether 
uh, Nick Pope it was who came out and he dropped the ball. He collided with one of the Newcastle mm. uh, defenders. For me, I don't think it was a foul, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. And not only that, with about three players on the line, Wilson had a lot to do and it was an incredible finish. Yeah, I thought it was a magnificent finish. And uh, the lads, you know, he, he's, um, he's he's been a good signing for for Newcastle. I still think they need more. He needs more support up there but um, and more crosses. But he really, really took down. Like you say, that there was two players on the line. And um, again, I don't think it was a foul. And uh, he moved it away and his composure was fantastic. And he struck it so well. And uh, he's going to be integral. I mean, they got... They've got a, a major task there because they've got all the money in the world, but they've still got to win, you know, possibly 45, 50% of those games. But all the money in the world won't help them. Have you heard this um, theory that the, uh, the rest of the clubs in the Premier League have uh, got together? I'm going to say they've got together. I don't know how formal it is, but they've sort of decided not to sell Newcastle any players. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Would that go against the uh, quote-unquote gentleman's, you know, agreement of the game or, you know, frowned upon? You know, one of those Doesn't things think, that they uh, can't... The, the Newcastle regime are in no position to criticise anybody's... Uh, I mean, that's yeah, a fair point. Yeah, where do you go when it comes to morals in football? <laughs> whoever they get in, they're going to be paying through the notes for them and... It says a lot about the sort of people that they'll be getting. They'll be, they will just genuinely get the mercenaries that are just purely there for the money, I would have thought. I think the loan market's going to be very important, isn't it? That's what they well, really it, need to try and dive into. But then I guess if they... into overseas loans? Is that how it works? I know yeah, there's something like that. that. Well, it's interesting. I noticed yeah. a thing came through on my phone just now that somebody's been arrested in France that is connected to this... Um, I've forgotten the bloke's name now, the journalist that got killed over in the, one of the embassies, Saudi Arabia embassies. Um, mm-hmm. Now, now if, if, if it's true, and if, if they can, with the, with the aid of this bloke, pin it on the Saudis then what effect's that going to have on the whole procedures? You know, I know it's a political thing, but at the end of the day, if, if, the, if the, the way that people are having a go at Newcastle because of the human rights and all the rest of it over there, if that suddenly gets proved, why are they going to have a problem with public relations, aren't they? I think yeah. he's always going to rear his ugly head, that, uh, that, that uh, story, and... Um... Some clubs will use it to their advantage, and some, you know, use, you know, against against Newcastle. So it will be very interesting to see what happens there. Mm. Um, has has also, someone from the Premier League already resigned about Newcastle's takeover? I'm not sure, but it, it's um, I'm not sure it's is is the non-sale of players. Is that true? Um, if if it is true, is it more of a political stance against Newcastle? Or is it more of uh, uh, clubs getting together for whatever reason? I, I, I don't know, but um, we need to sort out. Of, Jan, January will certainly enlighten that, uh, you know, because they definitely need players in. They need a higher quality of player. Yeah, I do believe the loan system will will, will help them um, because players won't want to commit until you know because of the possibility of going down. 
you know, but it'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, we're not that far away from it now, so um, it, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens. It's tighter down the bottom than I thought it was. So I, just, I didn't realise Newcastle have got. There's, there's quite a few still in it, isn't there? Oh yeah, six. So there are only three awesome. points adrift. Of... Yeah, yeah. Burnley looks dodgy at the moment. Yeah, and like... you know Southampton are, are playing well, but they're still not picking up enough points. And for me, for my liking. But like even like Rick's um, Leeds are still only six points to drift, Leeds, and that's only three, yeah. three, two, three games, and you're sucked yeah. in. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The yeah. likes of Brentford could easily get dragged in. I know they've done really well since they've come up, but you only need to sort of remember the likes of Hull that sort of did the really good start to the seasons, and then January yeah. comes and Cliff. It's yeah. still yeah. going to be very, very tight, like you say. And teams like Norwich and Newcastle are going to rely on these teams being sucked into it because otherwise they're not going to have any chance. The more, the more teams are involved down there, the better for a better desire, isn't it? They don't want to get cut adrift. That's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. And Norwich have had a couple of decent results and you know, and they've they've sort of like uh, picked picked themselves off the bottom now, isn't it? Like so it's be it's it's gonna be as exciting at the bottom as it is at the top. And uh, I say it'd be interesting how, how generally uh, again these these teams go for it because of the the vast sums of money that are involved, they need to make sure they're their squads are strong enough to be able to like uh, take the high number of games they've got to play, but also take the pressure of, uh, of the relegation fight. A team that's, that's kind of in the middle of of that would be would be Everton, I would say. I just if Everton hadn't won against Arsenal last night, as we record, yeah. they would have <laughs> been uh, just. There would have been only Watford between them and the and the bottom three. So they would have been right in the middle of Yeah. Middle of the... I just wanted to bring Everton up as, as an example, really, because obviously they've got a quite a unique situation where they've got somebody in charge of their team, you know, from an Everton fan's perspective, who was worshipped over the red side. So it was always going to be somewhat on borrowed time. But when they haven't won in was it eight games or something before the game uh-huh. against Arsenal? Um is it too simplified to say that that win has potentially saved his job? He'd done that in the week when he uh, he played his political games again, didn't he? And got the sporting director the push. So he's, he's a very clever man, Rafa. He knows how to play a football club. Well, he's certainly Don't a be. very rich yeah, one. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I certainly agree with what Rick just said. I said, isn't it, isn't it amazing the timing of a uh, football director sort of leaving the club? And uh, you know, is that telling? That's really telling us that that Rafa wants control of um, of, of the players coming into this football into the football club. If you, you know, it, he, having said that, if you do look at some of who Everton have wasted money on and some of the names that came up, I don't know if any of you saw the graphic on Match of the Day that this. That um, director of football that splashed money on. There is every um, argument that he had every right to lose his job because of yeah. some of the money they've wasted is Incom- ridiculous. Incompetence. That's absolute, yeah. you know, football incompetence. And uh, you know, I think that he looked at that and went, you know, we cannot have this guy picking the players. And absolutely right as well. I mean, Man United, they've had problems with a, with a certain person, a director of football, and. You know that needed to change as well for for, for their. You know, I did. I, I'm quite happy for him to stay there. Like, but you know, as a football club, it's <laughs> it, it's obvious that for, for 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 Manchester United to be back to where they were, he needed to go. Absolutely, one hundred percent. 
And now he is he is going at the end of the season, I believe, isn't it, Rick? Edward Wood sh- should be going yeah. at Christmas, should, but he should be going at Christmas to save yeah. the situation. Well, yeah. So you know, and absolutely right. You know, why 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 let him stick around? He's done an absolutely horrendous job, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, whole, you, you say that, market, but um, if you think about it, yes, you know, when it comes to players, he's he's hardly been wonderful, but some of them aren't that bad. But more to the point, it, it could well be that if if Ragnac is as uh, as successful as we all hope he's going to be, he could be responsible for turning United round. With just that one appointment, yeah. forget the players for a minute. If, if yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, but that's just, that's just tidying up your own mess, isn't it? Uh, and and yeah. the, the damage Woodward has done is he's inflated the wage structure beyond belief. He's off every time a yeah. paying average player's got been run out of contract, he's offered him 100 grand a week. Mm. And all yeah. he's done is, and the stru- wage structure at Man United is absolutely ridiculous. To uh, does that to protect their sell on value, yeah, but then they're, yeah. they're on such ridiculous wages. That nobody mm-hmm. can afford to buy them and put them exactly. on those wages exactly. anyway. So, so, so I'm just going to mention with the, with the Everton situation, with the, the sporting director going and being responsible for these uh, signings. It's it's one of the consequences of, of the way manager the managerial job is now. People say you're not going to get a Fergie who stays at a club for a long time. Managers are in like two, three season cycles, but then. It's like you look at the squad, United squad, and you look at Everton squads, and they're both mishmashes of several different managers. So a manager doesn't get time to establish a squad yeah. as his exactly. own. He's managing yeah. the squad of the previous two and three managers that have gone before him. And that's just going to be the nature of nature of the way the game goes now. They're all going to be dealing with other people's players. Yeah. They're on big contracts, aren't they? You can't get rid of them. Yeah. But when you... Um... When you see the interviews that Rafa Benitez has actually been uh, holding, he's basically saying exactly that. You need to stick with your yeah. manager longer. He uh, needs yeah. to be in control of more. And he needs to look after also the financial side of your football club with your financial directors. You know, I think that's absolutely right. You know, you, you, unless you've got a, a relationship uh, like Man City have with a manager and their, 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 their um, you know, football director, which is being built up over like, you know, 20 years, if not more, you know, then you have to have a decent relationship with them and understand, and you both need to be on the same path. It's like me and Josh, Josh, just imagine that, Josh, you and me playing at the back and we're not on the same wavelength. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's disaster, absolute yeah. disaster. Yeah. And it's exactly the same as on the board. If the board are not in line with the manager, then something has to change. You know, you all, I call it like, uh, might have heard me speak about it before, boring everybody in tears about it. To me, it's like a spoke. Of, it's like a wheel, and all the spokes on the wheel. If you, you've got all the spokes in place, your wheel's working fine. Yeah. But if one spoke comes out, oh, hang on a minute, there's a little problem with the wheel. If two spokes come out, oh, it's a little bit more of a problem. And all of a sudden, if six or seven spokes come out, and you're not on the same. Then, then your wheel falls to pieces, and that's exactly the same as the football club. You know, and uh, everybody must be on the same wavelength. And those two positions, I mean, I personally don't like the position as a, a director of football. I think it should be down to the manager. He talks of, with a financial director. They see that he's right for the football club. They either buy the player or they don't. You know, and if by that manager getting it wrong, that's when he gets the sack. For me, yeah. it's as simple as that. You don't need a sporting director at all. You need a financial director to make sure the stability of the football club. But me, just a manager coming in, 
because he could be manipulated by by uh, you know the transfer market by the agents, which has been you know you've got certain agents that stick with certain football clubs because they get more money. And I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely outrageous. It's absolutely ludicrous how it's been run at the moment. And I think the football league and the government should be should be more on top of it. If I'm honest with you, yes. Or be on question time. <laughs> well, I'll have to I'll have to call it a night there. The laptop is in high demand. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's right. Josh, we can allow Josh to clock off early following his goal. <laughs> about about <laughs> bloody time as well. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't leave so long next time. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Cheers, Thanks, Josh. Thanks, See Josh. You. See you, See you soon, mate. Um, just before we do sign off, um, just interested in your guys' take. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, Jude Bellingham, obviously playing in uh, Germany at the moment, and um, Bayern Munich beat. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, I think it was 3-2. And he's got himself into all sorts of trouble because of the comments that he made in relation to max fixing that he's alleged that is taking place in particular a favour of Bayern Munich. I think it's just been announced in the last hour or so at the time of recording that he's not going to face any legal action. I think he's just been fined. Um, £34,000. Have you seen this? Yeah. What do, what do you make yeah. of his comments? Was it just spur of the moment or should it have been investigated further? Uh, it's clearly a feeling amongst the players that are playing within the club because uh, Jude obviously wasn't about when this, these incidents were happening. So he's not got first hand. He's going off what the rest of the players are telling him. And was it, he, he said basically... Uh, Question the referee and said, "If it's someone who's been done for that, then what do you expect?" Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't really. It's not going to go away, and I, I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a lazy thing to to blame the officials, but then again, he did again. He did have a point because there was there was about two penalties, wasn't it? And the referee looked, reviewed one over VAR and didn't review the other, and uh, yeah. So that was interpreted as bias. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. But I think he's just feeding off what the players have told him. Sorry, guys. Hey, I'm going to have to cut you off there. We are out of time. Okay. So thank you very much to everybody for joining in. And uh, uh, I don't know quite what happened to Hugo, but we will find out in due course, I'm sure. So until, <laughs> next, until next week, thank you, Rick. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Hilda. Uh, thank Pleasure. you, Josh. Josh has just had to shoot off. And... Um, you know, don't forget we'll have full match coverage on Saturday against who is it they're playing? Uh, my memory's gone. Barnet. Barnet, that's it. Yeah, I, I, I should have had a hat on. That would have reminded me. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Join us again Saturday when Hilda will be here to uh, do match commentary with Paul. And um, a very good night to you all. 